0: The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Carl Flynn sits down with Colonel Jason Perry. All right, Colonel Perry, welcome back. Thanks so much for coming back again. Yeah. Um, the first episode um talked about quite a lot from uh commissioning mentioned uh, uh reading um from the cold war to isis and uh general bomb had mentioned yeah and then uh first Lieutenant jason perry was there and i thought oh interesting i know a colonel jason perry that's i wonder right. if that's the same guy so yeah yeah. Um, yeah and then briefly not quite crossing paths but you were the co fourth marines and then i deployed to uh, on udp and then you were uh left seat, right seat, turning over, um, right as I was getting there. So just right. barely missed you
1: in okay. Okinawa, but right now we're here. And but you so, were probably there when I was the assistant division commander, right? Oh, okay. But yes, oh, yeah. that is correct. So I, yes, I didn't, sir. I didn't leave. I just didn't stay at fourth Marines. I went up to, I went up to Courtney as the assistant division commander while well, probably during your deployment, right? Yes, sir. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 That's great. So
0: now, um, what I'd like to discuss with you today is so after coming back from Okinawa now being the senior Marine at NPS so we had Colonel Pugh um back when he was the senior Marine on the podcast so would love to um get your perspective on being a senior Marine so sure um I'd like to start out by discussing so obviously you were here as a student I was and then that opened up some opportunities for you so what uh you know getting orders coming to NPS again as a senior Marine mm-hmm. uh, what were the thoughts going through your mind and what were the expectations that you had uh, coming back here
1: yeah so um I, I had a great experience here and mm-hmm. and so when I was approached uh to to come to Naval Postgraduate School uh, candidly I was pretty pretty excited about the opportunity uh I, I wasn't really excited to be leaving the fleet. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. I, yeah. I was not excited to. I I I had a great time working with MEF, working with our joint forces out in in the First Island Chain, uh, implementing new naval, Marine Corps, and Navy concepts, and really seeing some some wonderful things happening. And in the middle of that, you know, having to having to having to take orders and, uh, and, and leave Okinawa and then, and, and, but, but it was, it was the right thing to do. The timing was good, but I was approached to come here to Naval Postgraduate School. And I thought, you know, cause I'm, you know, let's face it, I'm kind of toward the end of my career here. And so the idea of, um, you know, re- recalling myself, uh, 2023 years ago at the Kind of at the beginning of my career i had i had cut my teeth as a lieutenant i was kind of on my on, turning the corner to being this is what i'm going to do as a career this is how i'm going to spend my adult life is doing this marine corps thing and uh, realizing what an impact naval postgraduate school had on me knowing that um so much of what the marine corps needs to be successful is being taught here and Mm. and to have the opportunity uh well look to avoid going to a staff somewhere where you know uh, you could do some great things in a lot of locations but to be able to work directly with 300 plus uh, marines at any given time marine officers and staff non-commissioned officers who come here to naval postgraduate school and hopefully in some small way help set them up to be as successful as they could possibly be as they go forward and take on this forced design effort to take on whatever amphibious operations are going to look like in the future, whatever peer conflict looks like, and, and preparing for that. I mean, there's some real challenging, sticky, strategic issues out there. That there are. And... And, you know, the pendulum swings between art and science and defense and offense and what has predominance. And I think here we really have a unique environment where we, we really strike the balance between, uh, and I know it's a bumper sticker thing, but it's true, uh, science, the science and the technology of waging waging war, being more efficient at at, at waging war or or, you know, more importantly, deterring war, uh, but, but then also having the strategic vision and global perspective to bring the art of that in, into the picture. I mean, there's not a lot of places where that, where that happens. And, and here, it, it really is a unique place where you have uh, officers, mid, mid, you know, mid-career officers, early-career officers, and staff NCOs, who are bringing with them some head scratcher problem that they experience, just like we've all experienced, and they want to solve problems. And it's neat to be in an environment where uh, there's a whole faculty and a staff and a student body who are all focused on uh, within within their within their field of study solving those solving those problems. And I, I have a continued interest in, in it, and even though I'll. Uh, you know, here in the not too distant future, I'll I'll uh, I'll make my way uh, out. Um, there there is a there are cohorts of of, of officers and staff and COs who are going to carry on doing wonderful work, and so to be a part of that, and to be able to lead in some small way and 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 uh, contribute to that was kind of exciting exciting for me. So that's why I that's why I, I took took the. Uh, you know thought seriously about the opportunity and, and said yes
0: a couple of questions i had with that sir so you'd mentioned uh marine officers and staff ncos yeah so
1: we're expanding our staff nco presence here at naval postgraduate school and they do they, they, they i mean just some great work
0: so so i was about to ask because traditionally uh it's been you know the naval postgraduate school is mainly for officers now there have been other branches of staff ncos but um if my understanding serves correct, this is the staff NCOs who are here now. They are the first cohort of Marine staff NCOs. Is that correct?
1: No, we've, we've had staff NCOs before, but we've ex- expanded the okay. number of staff NCOs we've brought to Naval Graduate School. Okay, so, understood. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great program. I mean, we, we've got some really sharp uh, – uh, in the Marine Corps, you know, I think traditionally we've been so command – focused and and yet we have a real a real need to have leaders in uh technical programs as well leaders who have strategic vision but they also have technical expertise right I, i'm right. not i'm not one of those guys i, I don't belong in that <laughs> i don't belong in that crowd I, I don't have that and i look at myself and i think you know um having uh ha- having these technical experts and as i've gotten older and more experienced as a marine uh you you recognize that in these critical capabilities you've only got a a handful of people who are capable of bringing the technical expertise to the table that commanders need to be successful and not only at war fighting but but also at making our organization better uh ensuring the right people get to the right jobs with the right skill sets and all that that's mm-hmm. a that's a huge undertaking for a large organization and it gets very complex very quickly and so um, we absolutely need leaders who one cannot just lead by virtue of the rank on their collar or the the legal authority vested in them as an officer but we need we need people who can lead through, um, by, by by virtue of vision alone, and and because sometimes when I say leader, you're 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 leading a program that might involve a multiple different organizations having to come together in a multidisciplinary approach to solve very challenging problems, and that's a that's kind of a di- different kind of leadership, and in many cases more challenging than say, commanding a battalion or a regiment or something like that, because, because when you're the commander of a regiment, everybody kind of knows you're the guy in charge. Uh, when, when you are trying to bring together groups of experts in a field, in, in multiple fields, to solve a single problem, uh, that takes a different kind of person who can, who can lay out vision, who can chart a course, uh, and then persuade, uh, people to come on board and and to and to move in a unified manner toward a common goal that's that's leadership right everybody's pulling pulling on the same rope or multiple ropes but at least the di- same direction right yes, so you're not working yep. against each other and and that's a lot of what our uh, technical program leaders uh, end up doing and they're and they're wicked problems are very challenging problems
0: how true that is i yeah maybe just a small microcosm of what you described in terms of getting multiple disciplines and and not necessarily leading a group of people but a program uh so my thesis research i'm working on counter swarming and yeah there you go and so in my in my simple brain i'm thinking okay i'm going to solve all the marine corps problems on counter swarming when i got here and now i'm actually into my thesis research i'm like i'm going to move the needle a little bit in right. the right direction mm-hmm. on counter swarming and I and i'm not going to solve all the problems but working with uh so my i'm in the applied physics department but mm-hmm. um i'm working with um folks in the engineering who are working on machine learning and artificial intelligence because that's going to be that's right way better and way faster than where human. else is
1: that where else do you think that's happening i don't know i mean that's an honest question i don't know where else that kind of work happens I and mean, we have warfare centers and things like that but mm-hmm. But but you're also going to take that skill set and you're going to take it back to, the fleet. You're going to take it back to the force. You know, um, and that's powerful. You're you're bringing a problem with you. You're bringing practical experience. You're pre- bringing a, a practical view of the problem. And then and then we're we're putting you in. We're partnering you up with a fantastic, you know, academic curriculum and and. Uh, and, and professors who are expert in that field and uh and then and then you're going to get smarter because of it you're going to get better at organizing groups of people who all have a part to play mm-hmm. and then we're going to send you back out to go and do the thing and, and I now just study it i that's a that's a tremendous model and I, not easily replicated yes
0: sir yeah the 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 academic faculty alone i mean the the folks that i get to work with are uh I, so the first episode i recorded for the Trident podcast i was interviewing um doctors denning and arquilla who are uh-huh. giants in their field sure. um, and just they were very polite in the uh, way when we were conducting the interview and so i'd ask them a question about AI and machine learning, and I distinctly remember, I asked one thing about, you know, is one of the problems with artificial intelligence that it doesn't know what it doesn't know? And, you know, they very politely basically said, you know, that's the question you are asking. Here's the question you should be asking, and here's the question, here's the answer yeah. to that question. Right. And so, yeah, 100% agree right. that postgraduate school is incredible in terms of the, just the depth of knowledge and the breadth yeah. of knowledge in all the different disciplines that it has for, to offer for everybody. Right.
1: But at some point, right, that knowledge has to be transitioned into capability. Uh, Yes. And so I think in academia, you can ideate, you can iterate, you can Mm -hmm. develop, you can think, uh, in the fleet, there's not a lot of opportunity to think you're, you're, you're running from one event to the next and (laughs) trying not to, not to, you know, fall below the waterline. And here you have that opportunity to think. But it's also limited in that uh, it's got to transition to capability. Otherwise, it never goes beyond the the the, I, the, the, the point of an idea or, or even a well-developed idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's th- that idea has to turn into something for it to become a capability. Otherwise, it's just education for this for the purpose of education. That and is for, for me personally, and you know, talking about the senior marine position, I, I think. Um, I, don't, I don't think this is true across the board, but there's a little bit of maybe a, an idea that you come to school. While you're in school, you're in you're in. You know, we have this population of of Marine, Marines in the Marine Corps anyway, and maybe like this for the other services. But you're you're in training, you're in transit. You know, you're moving from one duty station to the other for a month or whatever, however much time it takes. Uh, you're a patient. Or, or you're in prison. <laughs> you know, they call it T2P2, <laughs> right? Training, uh, training, transit, patient, or prison. And uh, here at Naval Postgraduate School, I don't think our, our scholars here fall into any of those categories. In, in other words, the value to the institution doesn't start when you graduate and we finally get you back to your unit, whatever unit that's going to be, wherever you're going to go. You, you, you know, if we are doing things properly, um, the, the work you do, because most, in my experience anyway, and, and most most Marines come here with a kind of a problem they kind of want to chew on, and, and they recognize they got to graduate, but they also have some practical problems that they'd, they'd really like to be a part of solving. I'd like to solve this. I was a logistician, and I'd really like to figure out how to better model the maintenance requirements of my vehicles you know something like that
0: as an yeah. lar background officer i can you appreciate appreciate that, right? <laughs> absolutely appreciate that's that. that's right
1: yeah. and so we get smart people who come here and and say "Well, i really wrestle with this problem in the fleet and 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 they wanna they wanna bring those problems into academia but and 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 there's a there's a need out in the fleet for people to be looking at these problems and and, and so i think if we uh change I'm going to change the mindset but at least my mindset I'm, probably, I'm talking about myself more than anything where it's not once you graduate you're value added to the marine corps you're not you're not just here to be to be educated you're also here to be a part of the problem solving apparatus of the service the department um, and not just the marine corps but the department because many many of our students are marines and and sailors and airmen and soldiers are all working on problems that that are applicable to the joint to the joint force. I mean, you, you were you talking about uh, machine learning and AI and uh, swarming. Those are if you're in a, if you're in a multi-domain task force in the U.S. Army, you're you're dealing with that. If you're in an MLR in the Marine Corps, a Marine logistics or Marine uh, a Littoral Regiment, you're dealing with that. And so uh, many of the problem sets that were taken taking up have wide applicability. And so there, I think there's a there's a lot of value in viewing naval postgraduate school as, as part of this you know this brain trust uh, and and using it as a as a using naval postgraduate school and, and marine's time here as part of the problem solving apparatus both mm-hmm. title 10 and war fighting capability type of uh, you know uh, uh, applications so
0: I 100 percent agree especially on the Problem sets not being unique to the Marine Corps, and then if yeah, if you know, and if other services are doing research that can benefit the Marine Corps, you know, oh. the more power to take them advantage as well. of it. Absolutely, take advantage of yeah. it. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, and th- and that's what I think the Senior Marine, um, in many ways, does is it connects those students back to um, uh, organizations, sponsors within the Marine Corps or within the Joint Force uh that can make that research and that education more timely and relevant mm-hmm. overall and that's that's the big win right uh is is to do
0: that and and yeah 100% agree and that goes back to your earlier point of you know if you're doing the research and it doesn't go beyond just the academic research then we miss the point it's the actual implementation yeah. of it going back to serving the marine corps and,
1: and don't get me wrong, it's still good research. For it's sure. It's still good Absolutely. because you come right. out a smarter person. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You come out having learned how to organize a problem, how to how to think about the variables that go into an issue, how to isolate uh, variables and, and test for outcomes. I mean, you know, the, the, the scientific method, if you will. Um, but uh, – but if that could also be applied to something that that someone on the other end could actually take and start chewing on turn into capability boy that's 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 huge that's a, yeah that's a big win that's right
0: yes sir um so you I'd like to pull on a couple different threads of things you mentioned so um talking about linking up marine officers with uh whatever asset in the fleet or in the marine corps at large is could benefit from the research mm-hmm. and I also talking about um career timing, uh, in the Marine Corps and coming to NPS. So so,
1: thing uh, number one, uh, (laughs) as soon as you show up, right? Sure. Yes, sir.
0: So historically, um, NPS has kind of gotten a bad rap as being bad for your career. Um, but I think, and I'm sure you can expand upon this, but there've been a couple of changes recently, um, especially with, uh, General Berger. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess then on commandant now that we're here and yeah talent sure. management and yeah. one specific change she made was that marine officers are now able to defer promotion uh in their career in order to yeah not run afoul of timelines right so, that's right um, yeah so anything in relating to you know the marine uh officers who are coming here Cause i i have no concern about that i know that's in my back pocket if i absolutely need to yeah if you need my time. payback tours go back to the right. naval academy and not go straight back to the fleet so uh-huh. i know that's in my back pocket but if there's anything else i'm sure as a senior marine you've sure. dealt with career timing anything else that you can throw out there for yeah. or prospective uh, nps students
1: so so first of all you know i i'd offer that every Every individual coming from Naval Postgraduate School is a, uh, they're, they're, everybody's got a unique case. Everybody, mm. everybody has their situation. And so every one of those situations has to be managed. One is each of us as individuals manage our, we're, we are our own talent manager. We're our own talent agent. And so message number one is um, I think be active at managing your own path promotion zones are getting shorter i mean i, I was so fortunate i was I, I i i had so much time as a captain so much time as a major to do a lot of stuff mm. without running afoul of uh, you know I, I did a three-year utilization tour at the pentagon and then i went to ils intermediate level schools at the fletcher school of law and diplomacy at tufts university that was a full year and then I showed up at the fleet and was able to do uh, two deployments as a major in key mm-hmm. billets. And, and, and so, but, but the only reason I got to do that is because I had so much time as a major. Today, I wouldn't have gotten half of that done because the zones are so short. And you just don't have as much time to do those things that you need to do anymore. Right. And that's the risk that that's the challenge that that you're, that our our students who come here are are looking at. They start doing the, the, the math and realize that, wow, I could be in zone two years after I'm two years after I graduate, and that, mm-hmm. and, and and if I can't get into a key billet, so talent management uh, does I think put more emphasis on. Uh, other tracks than than a command track Um, and certainly uh, tries to place more value on those people in staffs that are leading programs and and doing work in either technical programs or very specific areas and on a a staff where you know we, we we really need that capability as well I don't know numbers yet, and and how that's being implemented, right? Mm. Uh, and and that's the that's the challenge is is uh, making sure that people have options, that there's a there's a clear path to, there, there's a critical roadmap for each individual, and then and then to be able to manage the timing, because key billets are kind of a thing. Uh, I, um, Depending on what a person's goals are, uh, in in Certainly. the Marine Corps, so, so uh, yeah, I think we're moving in the right in the right direction. I think it is. Uh, I'd I'd be you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say yeah. You know, people need to manage their careers, and it is something that you have to take a look at because you just don't have as much time as we mm-hmm. used to to get all the things that, that you might want to do or need to do, to to be competitive going forward, and uh, and that's one of the things that 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 we do as we. We advocate for our marine scholars here with the service to ensure that uh, your assignment here is, is something, look, there's, there's opportunity and risk in everything we do. That's Certainly, everything yeah. we do, there's opportunity and risk. But let's, let's seize the opportunities that are present by you coming here, let's mitigate some of the risks, mm-hmm. and, um, and then let's, let's clearly define what your goals are, and, uh, and and work out critical paths, and then and then of course there's no promises going forward. You got to get, you got to you got to you, know, you got to be proactive, and 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 at the end of the day, wherever you end up, make yourself invaluable, and and if if you are indispensable to the institution, the institution will recognize that, and uh, and you'll have a successful career. And the other thing is, I don't know what a successful career looks like, right? I mean, there are a lot of great officers who maybe, um, uh, maybe didn't get promoted as far as they would like to have, or whatever. But but who um, served well and um, and would like to have gone somewhere else or a different path. But the path they did take presented so many opportunities that really resulted in in just outstanding service. Mm, And and so you know sometimes maybe the definition of what success actually looks like can can change over time
0: that's that's a very good point sounds like good advice whether you're an NPS student or not so yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah. um so getting uh back to specifically being in the billet of the senior Marine Mm. at NPS Mm -hmm. so before we started recording um I'd kind of joked around you know It's not just being the RO for hundreds of fit reps. That is an important part of the job, Um, but within, you know, like you show up to be a platoon commander or a company commander, Mm -hmm. you get your billet description saying, this is line by line. This is what is expected of you. This is your job description. Right. Senior Marine at NPS, that's not a common billet. That's only, There's only one of them. So right. for being the senior Marine, could you just walk us yeah. through what, what are your responsibilities here? Yeah, that's a great, great question.
1: So first of all, as colonels, we get different fitness reports than you guys do. So there's no billet description, no billet accomplishments in our fit rep. So I can oh. pull out my own fit rep and tell you what it is. Oh, <laughs> duly noted. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? I did not know all that. Right, there you go. Um, yeah, you know, I the uh, – it's a, it's a pretty broad job. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people who come to Naval Postgraduate School and, and want to visit. Uh, right now, I'm working with a number of different organizations, that, uh, and we're, we're planning uh, senior leader visits to come out here and, and see Marines and uh, talk to Marines, see the school, see what the, the potential capabilities are, and all that. Uh, so we, we manage that. There's just the day-to-day quality of life issues of, of living in Monterey and making sure that— uh, everybody has the opportunity to run a PFT, CFT, get weighed in, do all the things that Marines need to do, mm-hmm. make sure their families are taken care of. Sometimes we have things like a uh, uh, person's not a right fit for a curriculum, and so we need to review and, and work with the graduate education monitor at uh, Headquarters Marine Corps to make sure that, one, the curriculum matches the Marine, that the uh, that the, that the, 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 Marine, uh, the education the Marine is getting is aligned with the needs of the Marine Corps Right. I mean, it, this is all about managing managing the the, the population of people who are going to go and do work for the Marine Corps in another year or six months from now. So that that takes a little bit of work. Some of it is programs. I and mean, as an example, our Ph.D.s. We've we've got uh, technical Ph.D. Uh, candidates here at Naval Postgraduate School. That's a fairly new program, and with mm-hmm. any new program, it takes new policies and and uh, there there are there are discussions about what the what's the what's what's the best way to optimize how do we optimize uh that strategic investment right mm-hmm. and and so uh work with headquarters marine corps uh, manpower management or education command there are a number of different uh, stakeholders in all of these programs and so uh being a part of that conversation is a part of this job. Um, recently, uh, Naval Postgraduate School has been uh, in increasing its its role in wargaming, and so we're going to we are beginning a uh, to develop a wargaming capability. Mm. And uh, and so I've been I've been working a lot with the NPS staff and within NWSI, the Naval Warfare Studies Institute. Uh, with the mezzanine with President Rondeau on uh, how to best support the Navy's naval the naval services uh, Wargaming enterprise, and, and that's a uh, that's a new capability, so standing up new capability is uh, is is challenging, but I'm excited about it. It's a it's a uh, it's a growth it's a growth area, and um, and a very important one and so that's something that outside the senior marine job specifically that I've been able to uh to get involved in and I'm I'm excited about that
0: that certainly sounds exciting especially the direction that the Marine Corps is heading being much more involved in maritime operations mm-hmm. if we can presumably this is where we're heading uh we gaming with the Navy and also integrating marine capabilities into that or Maybe up and coming marine capabilities because there's still a no, lot of right. a lot of research going on, and,
1: and more importantly, allies and partners. And we've got to be we've got to be better at our at decision making, and and uh, have a better understanding of what the what the range of, of outcomes might be, especially as we require much more integration with allies and partners.
0: Certainly, yeah. has. Uh, has working with international students here uh been part of what you've been up to in terms of yes yeah, okay yeah little, okay. Not,
1: probably not as much as i'd like um mm. but yes uh i've uh yes they we've got a great um uh international graduate programs office and uh uh, uh dino pick and and that, his group over there uh, do wonderful wonderful work and uh, I, they have been very gracious at, at including me as often as I as I can uh, in, in in many of their their programs. Yeah. That's
0: that's outstanding. Yeah, I, I was just curious. This is a bit specific. We have a uh, international officer in our EWS seminar, and oh. there's some international officers in mm-hmm. some other folks' seminars. I know. Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that you have your hand in, or is uh, EWS? its own self-contained thing
1: yeah so um i've i work with the college of, of um uh what do they call it the C E S. the distance learning yeah the mm-hmm. distance learning folks and and uh they're very good they come up here and we go uh, and and visit us regularly uh we recently expanded uh some of our command and staff opportunities out to uh to other services and and that's that's growing also to our international service on the on the on the international side and on and on the uh and on the joint side y- you know we we talk about interoperability interoperability starts in the classroom interoperability starts in the classroom and so the more we can i, I went to a japanese school right that's, at, right. At, that's right for yeah. top level schools mm-hmm. uh, i i believe that that experience um was invaluable uh, in terms of bringing and I I saw it when I was stationed in Okinawa. Mm, what opportunities were created for operational cooperation because of classroom experiences. All right. And, and not to get into too much because it just take forever to explain all <laughs> all of you know who, who shot John stuff. <laughs> but but those those classroom relationships the, the, the education the shared understanding Interoperability starts in the classroom, and so to the extent um, we we have Marines going to the Naval War College, we have uh, uh, we have services and international partners coming over to the Command and Staff, uh, our Command and Staff College, and EWS, and I think that is a huge strategic investment. I I personally um, uh, coordinate with the distance learning folks at Marine Corps University um but uh but they really they really run it okay. a lot of a lot of our Marines uh uh teach EWS here are our, our, our you know marine scholars naval postgraduate school students and um and we have a really really active program so it's wonderful
0: that yes yeah, so that that was one thing that surprised me when I first showed up uh my EWS instructor is a marine major and yeah he's he's a student here teaching right. EWS and also studying right. uh as an EWS student yeah right. that if I'm so if I'm reading between the lines correctly, um, am I understanding that, you know, not only when you say interoperability, that's more than making sure our radios can talk to each other and our yeah. weapon systems can interact. But I'm sure the personal connections also very absolutely. Much with
1: that. Yeah, to me. So, yes, there's two sides of interoperability. One is that the technical side is can our systems talk to each other, interoperate with each other? Um, but but then there's the side of. When I need to coordinate a decision, when I need to integrate uh, my decision-making processes with a partnered or allied force, uh, where do I go to do that? How, how does that happen? What are, the, what are the challenges? What are the obstacles to, uh, to those, that decision-making? And, uh, and sometimes we tend to maybe mirror image uh, the force that we're working with, we, we assume things about them because they, uh, you know, they're military and they, they're kind of loosely organized, similar to the way, the way we are. And you know, there's infantry guys and there's artillery guys and there's navy guys and, and gals and and, um, and but but then but then when you really get down to having to um, right. You have to have unity of effort, even if you don't have unity of command. And the higher you get in an organization and the more complex the operation is, uh, the the, the more challenging unity of command is to achieve. But we still need unity of effort. And unity of effort, in uh, my opinion, is about people. That is about getting people focused on uh the problem set and bringing their strengths to the table and 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 then working together to to bring those strengths to bear those capabilities to bear that's interoperability as well that's a form of interoperability i think there's probably a more sophisticated way of describing that but
0: i'm sure yeah sure some marine corps doctrinal publication it's got it Could written be. down but Could I, be. I think that's yeah that made a
1: lot of sense um, to me at least data point of one it's interesting. I look, I think there's four or five senior Marines that are still here. Former senior Marines are still here and, and are just committed to the to the uh, to to the to the organization and, and what we do. And so uh yeah, it's a privilege. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a year, it's been a very, very quick year. As a student, I can also say it goes by fast on my end too.
0: Right. But, well thank you so much, sir, for, for thank your time. You. Glad you were able to make it for a second interview.
1: And yeah, uh, yeah really appreciate it. No, thanks for your time. Thanks for doing this. This is uh, this is good. I appreciate your time, what, what you do as well. Thank you, sir.
0: Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guest and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room Podcast has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at Trident Room at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroompodcast.